Welcome back to another episode with Ryan, Connor, and Nick, and the podcast, which we think we have a name. We're going to confirm this weekend. We had busy weeks, all three of us this week, so we're going to come together and actually come up with a name. But we're here to discuss the past week in basketball since we recorded last Friday. It's not as eventful as the first couple of weeks, not as many fights, and not as you kind of know where a lot of teams are sitting right now in terms of who's good, who's bad, who's kind of in the middle. But we're going to start you guys off with some, I guess, memes from the week, because there was a lot this week, if, if anything. So we're going to start off with Connor. I want you to explain to me what happened with James Harden and his affinity for boobs, I guess you uh, could say. Well, James Harden, does, James Harden <laughs> does have man boobs, uh, but aside from that... According to Chris Paul. According to Chris <laughs> Paul. Um, but recently, a study was done on the NBA Reddit from user... I'm trying to see his username real quick. Uh, Angry Centrist. And he analyzed James Harden's performance in every NBA city to see if there was a correlation between his box score and the city's average strip club rating. Now... As many of you may know, James Harden is has a he's almost a connoisseur of strip clubs. Uh, I believe there is a strip club in Houston, if I remember correctly, that has his jersey like hanging there. Um, <laughs> that could be inaccurate, but I'm pretty sure about that. But the study, uh, you should check. You should absolutely check the Reddit and check it out. It's one of the, if not the most popular post on there ever now, and it's it's very well done. Uh, it did conclude that Harden's best performances best performance comes in the city with the worst strip clubs toronto and his worst performance comes in the city with the best strip clubs miami which is pretty telling and uh there was a high coefficient of correlation to how accurately you could predict james harden's performances in cities with better strip clubs so you're All- telling me if i'm a fantasy basketball player I should keep it keep an eye on which city he's playing on and Google the strip club ratings before I put them in my lineup. Yes, yeah. So all of you that play daily fantasy sports, uh, I would recommend before playing James Harden look up what city he's in because if the strip clubs are of a higher value or are a high, more highly valued by their patrons, then truly his performance may not be up to the par you hope to see playing such an expensive player in daily fantasy sports, of course. So I would make sure to check that out. And one more quick thing from this study. Apparently Salt Lake City has the third ranked strip clubs of all NBA cities. The one good thing for Utah. Yeah, well, I mean, they got the All-Star game and now they have the third best strip club. So uh, good thing, good things are happening in Salt Lake City. So boobs aside, uh, there's another blunder this week, which Nick, I want you to run down for me. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, he kind of... Uh, kind of picked up some street ball habits and decided to not pass the ball. And I know he likes being in control and being in the center of things, but this is just a new level of stuff. What do you got for me? I mean, we even do inbounds and street ball. Like, I don't know what that <laughs> was about. Eric Bledsoe might be going for MVP this season. And when I say MVP, I mean the Shaq in a full MVP. Because that clip right there is guaranteed to give him some clout for that. I, <laughs> who knows what was going on in his head? It was like a seven-point game, too. It was a... It wasn't like some blowout where it didn't matter. This man just stepped in bounds and dribbled it. One of my Giannis is just looking at him like, "What the exactly. fuck are you doing?" Yeah, one of my favorite parts of that is Giannis's reaction. He just kind of looks and he doesn't know what to say, and then Bloodstone starts tapping his chest like, "My bad, my bad." Like, yeah, no shit, it's your bad. Uh, that, in my opinion, that's worse than the rust thing from a couple seasons ago, where he just started walking. Because I mean, at least the ball was inbounded, and he just he just like <laughs> forgot that like, oh, the game is kind of going on. But 
I, I don't think, know, man. Not dribbling the basketball at any point as a professional basketball player, that's pretty bad. At least Lester dribbled it. At least he dribbled it. At least he didn't like, <laughs> take it and start sprinting onto the court. Well, that would have been that would have been like a football play if he just picked it up and started sprinting onto the court from out of bounds. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. It, poor Giannis. Mm-hmm. That, that one hurt my brain. That one hurt my brain. Yeah, so another blunder from this week, uh, the Magic, who are off to a rough, you said two and five start, right? <laughs> the Magic are a blunder. Just, yeah. I think I think they're two and six now, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, I know they got two, two and, wins, two two and six. Yep. Uh, so there hasn't been a lot of Magic road. going on for uh, this Orlando team, as Aaron Gordon like single-handedly sold the game away. I'm pretty sure he bet <laughs> against his own team, because this man had two offensive fouls in a span of like 10 seconds. And yeah, that was yeah, that was really, was bad. really bad. And they weren't and even he, like questionable calls. Like it was pretty obvious he was thrusting his shoulder yeah. or like leaning into the play. He got the first one, and it was like, oh, that's rough. And then they got another opportunity. Till well, he needed like the same spot too. It was literally like the same. Yeah, spot yeah one was like up on. What was that like the elbow? And the other one was like right at the edge of the three point line, a little more away from that, like away from the center of the court towards the sideline. But they were like in roughly the same, like the, it was almost the exact same play and he just did it twice, which, and the best, the best thing was I, I know after the second one, but I think also after the first one, he made the shot. Like he just took it and just shot it like for the hell of it. And he made it. And man, if that's not saying how the magic season is going so far, I don't know what is because uh, another fun fact for y'all, the magic have played, eight professional basketball games and have scored over a hundred in one of those professional basketball games in 2019 in the year of 2019 yeah like, the, the year where offense is like taking over everything like any team most teams could roll out of bed and score a hundred like drunk james harden from the strip club could come out and drop 50 james harden in miami after the strip clubs his team could score over 100. I mean, the Wizards and Rockets both scored a 150 Before the Magic scored 100 points, they scored Before the Magic scored 100 points. In regulation. Like. Yeah, it's not even like it was a crazy OT game. No, it was in regulation. And then the Magic just can't manage to put up 100. And even when they're trying to score 100, Aaron Gordon's thrusting his elbow into people's chests. So it's because it got broken jumper man, man in the point guard, that's why. Markel Fultz. He hasn't been that terrible. Okay, he's shooting 48 from the field, which is solid. But his three-point percentage is definitely going to need some other work. Speaking of terrible three-point percentages, can I talk about Mike Muscala for a second? <laughs> Go for it, No, I told them before we started recording, I need to talk about this because Mike Muscala might be the worst player in the NBA. And I didn't think he was that bad. Um, Ryan knows what he's like because he was on Philly. The Lakers trade for him, like, that's a weird trade because Zubak's good, and I know Mike Muscala's not that great. But sweet Lord, I did not know how bad he was. Uh, this season, 11 points per – or not 11, uh, 11 minutes per game. He is playing – played in seven games. He is averaging 1.9 points, uh, two fouls, 2.1 rebounds. But the real telling stats are he is shooting 2.7, so almost three, threes a game. He is shooting 5% from the three-point line. <laughs> the crazy thing, didn't you say it was like a bunch of attempts too? Yeah, two point seven a game, which is like a decent amount. So he's making point one threes, especially a game. in those minutes. Like you, you said, he played eleven minutes. He plays eleven minutes. The only thing he does on the court is jack threes, and he doesn't make them. Well, uh, welcome. To, he hasn't played defense either, so I no, can, he I doesn't play defense. He's awful. And then he has he's shooting sixteen percent from the field overall. It's not. 
he's shooting 100% from the free throw line, guys, which is crazy. Even with his free throw percentage being 100%, his shooting splits almost don't add up to 100, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking of uh, 100%, uh, Tony Snell this week. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Holy Tony shit. Snell had a game. Nick, you got his stats pulled up? All right, we got pulled up. Tony Snell here. 32 minutes. Instead of his usual uh, jogging six miles statistics, he uh, <laughs> he shot nine for nine from the field, six for six on threes with 24 points and a plus a game high plus 20. Or no, no, no. Drummond was plus 24. Second best on the team plus 20. Like, give Tony Snell the max. I think that's what we're calling for here. That's ridiculous. He had a, he had a phenomenal one rebound two assists, and one steal to go with it, along with three personal fouls. Are those all career highs? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I'm going to have to at Snell season, the uh, the NBA Twitter account for this, and let them know that we gave Tony Snell a shout-out on our podcast. Dude, he must shout out Tony Snell, so most improved player contender right here, Tony that's, Snell. Man, that's crazy, because if y'all remember, there was that one game last season where he played like 28 minutes and racked up zero stats, I think. <laughs> Or he had like one point or like one foul and then no other stats. It was, it was true. He truly has two of the most impressive performances in these recent years of he NBA. He is basketball. averaging a prolific 9.7 points a game this season. I think we might need to pay some attention to Tony. Snell. Yeah, no, I Put agree. Some respect and but really turn your eyes to Pistons basketball to see the Tony Snell show. Because okay, if you're not okay. appreciating him now, you're going to miss it. Connor, please don't tell our viewers to watch the Pistons. We want to keep <laughs> Okay, you're right. You're right. Right. Speak- uh, Speaking what? of uh, wait, what did he got, Connor? I was just saying, watch the Pistons um, at, at your own at your own uh risk. Risk is the word for that. So Tony Snell, at least he's on the court though. Even when he's not playing, he's on the court. Someone that's not going to be on the court for a while is John Collins. Um, <laughs> the NBA saw the Suns and the Hawks starting off pretty well and decided they needed to nerf them. They got the they got the Suns with DeAndre Ayton. They had Aaron Baines. They told Aaron Baines to be the inside man and slip some anti diuretic into his uh his soup. <laughs> So that way, soup, soup <laughs> so that way he could be out. And then we got John Collins, and uh, I saw Trey Young on first take the other day, and Trey Young was just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is. Or not first take, it was some ESPN show, but he was just like, it is what it is. He's like, we'll try to play without him. He's like, but that's my brother, or whatever. He didn't really seem too phased by it. But what do you guys think that means for the Hawks? Because they did start off pretty well it's, in a wide open East too. It's gotta be, it's gotta be disappointing. Because 25 games is a good chunk of the season. It doesn't sound like a lot, um, but that's like that's a while. That's so much ground you can lose if a young team's trying to get some playoff experience and push for that. That's a lot of ground to lose. Uh, I haven't taken a look at their schedule, so I don't know if it's a difficult portion uh, or if it's kind of easier for them. But losing who was their second best player to just the random suspension that they didn't see coming is... Honestly, that's got to hurt as like a team. Like I know Trey Young's like, oh, that's my brother and everything like that. But you've got to f- almost be angry because he's he's good. And he's if you guys are trying to fight for a playoff spot, you need him. So yeah, as a fantasy owner, that was not very uh, pleasant news <laughs> to hear from me. Um, well, I sure, hope, I sure hope you picked up Jabari Parker. Then, I did. He's a, I he's actually a... did. <laughs> okay, good. Good news. So play play the power forwards in FanDuel against the Hawks because no defense is gonna be played out of that position anymore. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. if anything though, it is kind of nice though because they're often offensively they're really not gonna miss a beat because Jabari Parker, even though he might not be efficient, this man's gonna chuck his fair share of shots and he'll score the basketball for sure. Well, so they'll offens- change it though because Jabari Parker is a big difference in like the type of offensive game he has compared yeah. to Collins. Yeah, I feel like him and Trey Young because they both like to like make their own shot. I feel like and kind of like iso the ball a little bit. 
So I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a debate against the wall. Yeah. I feel like Collins is more of like, he'll let Trey Young facilitate it, but I, I know Jabari likes having the ball in his hands a lot. Jabari likes, no, Jabari likes having the ball out of his hands and flying towards the basket. <laughs> <laughs> Jabari, oh, no. never, he never slows down. The potential good of the suspension would be maybe that uh, some players on Atlanta who are young can have some more reps, like DeAndre Hunter, Cam Radish. They could get some more looks their way yeah. and have to create more offense, and it could help them get some time. And they both started back. slow, too, so it'll mm-hmm. be nice to see if they can pick it up. So it'll be interesting. It'll be, it'll be something to keep an eye on down there to see how the young guys can do with the loss of a major role player. And maybe Alex Len can step up or something or one of their other bigs. Vince Carter. He's going to put the yeah, team Maybe Vince Carter could step up as their oh new Oh, my God. Thank God they have that youth movement going on down there with Vince Carter at the helm. I think it's hilarious. We're getting to the point where two players in the Hawks, their combined age may be lower than Vince Carter's age, which I think is hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> Vince Carter's a boomer. Alex Len has actually been discussing this season. Who else even plays center on the Hawks? Oh. <sighs> They, well, have, they played a lot of small ball lineups with Collins, I know that. He has played 17 minutes a night and is shooting 30% from the field and 13% from three and putting up four Which, points a that night. That sucks, because he was really solid last season. Yeah, he was a really solid player. I mean, it's been year. like seven games, so let's not put a ton of value into it, but that is just a very slow start from the guy who's probably going to play more minutes now. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, they have, they have Bruno Fernando from uh, Maryland. He's a pretty... He's an interesting rookie. So That's just another guy you guys too. are talking about, though. Another rookie yeah. is going to have to put, it, put up some numbers. And they also, I forgot they picked up Damian Jones this offseason from Golden State. Oh, I that's get, who their other center is. He, they've been getting the, some The minutes. Mike Scott, uh, Damian Jones fight of all time. One of the best <laughs> fights. I saw I saw people like like I think Warriors fans specifically on Twitter being like, take Damian Jones because according to them, he just was not good. So we'll see if he can turn it around a little bit. Well, I remember I picked him once in FanDuel last year when they had a center. They had like all their centers out. And this man had three fouls in two minutes, and they and Steve Kerr never put him back in the game. And that was after he started. <laughs> oh, my God. So, oh, I remember that night. Oh, yep. my God. Oh, yeah, was... they have a lot of problems. That big. Bruno Fernandez has been their most productive center this season. That's an interesting thing to say. He's from Maryland, right? Mm-hmm. He was like a mid, mid-first-round pick, I believe. Or, no, no, no. He was second. He was high second, I believe. I remember he was projected there originally, but then kind of fell. Yeah. But, um... Speaking of teams that are going to have high draft picks, the Warriors, um, <laughs> we had we had my transitions are on point today. Yeah. But uh, the Warriors found out today that Steph Curry's injury is a little bit worse than they anticipated. So they're considering just keeping him out for the year, which I've been advertising since the beginning. Like, there's no point in putting this man back in there with the scrub squad. But um, what do you guys think about that? Like, do you think that it's, that's best for the Warriors to have Steph Curry just sit? Because then you still have Draymond and D'Lo playing like it's not like you have nobody on that team and Pascal's been really good so I don't know what do you guys think honestly have Draymond sit out as long as he wants with his hey is it a hand or a finger injury it's a ligament in his hand whatever in his hand, whatever okay. the heck that is yeah so have him sit out with whatever that is have D'Lo play get some trade value ship him off for something tank it's I mean Eric Eric Pascal carry them to the three seed but <laughs> if, if he also gets injured, then they're really going to be in the uh, high he's, lottery. He's about to start playing too well. They're going to tell him to make up an injury. Like, <laughs> they're going to get Eric Pascal phantom injury by the end of the season. <laughs> Eric Pascal like, oh. averaging like 23 a game, and that they, they send someone out there to club his leg so he can't. He stops playing. They slip Aaron Baines some more money to hurt him. Aaron, <laughs> he's, Aaron a, he's an NBA hitman. Aaron Baines is out here slipping drugs. What? motivation did they have did they get Aaron Baines to do it to John Collins too 
Why not? Aaron Baines just the NBA like uh, hitman. You know, he just he is all of Australia. Um, but yeah, no. An issue for the Warriors is that a lot of the top draft prospects for this upcoming draft are guards, and they don't really need that. They have to be easy when you ship D'Lo to Minnesota for Robert Covington. There you go. <laughs> Nick's hot take. Nick's NBA Twitter's favorite trade. Nick, when that happens, you will be seen as a you'll Profit. be seen as a, a visionary. Even I mean, I'm not the only one. There's actually like a lot of people talking. I saw some guys so like the other day tweet out something like, "Why are y'all so horny to trade D'Lo to the Timberwolves <laughs> for Robert Covington?" Someone's like, "Because D'Lo sucks" or something like that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Because, I mean, him and Cat have been talking about teaming up forever, and Devin Booker's well, talking well, about. Could you imagine it. next year, like the Warriors, you could roll out Curry, Wiseman, or someone, Clay, Covington, and Draymond. Like then you're back in oh, the thick of things in the oh, West. Don't forget when they re-signed Willie Cauley Stein. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and now they got Eric. Pa- Nick, you want Eric Pascal to come off the bench? Are you insane? Every yeah, great the- team needs a six man, you know. <laughs> Eric is Eric Pascal. That's what Damian Lee and Jordan Poole are for. <laughs> Eric Pascal is the Lou Will of the Golden State Warriors. It's funny because and- I had someone tell me he was a horrible three point shooter, and then I was watching highlights like that exact day, and he made like five, and I was just of like, who? Hmm. Eric Pascal. Mm. J- Jordan Poole crossed uh, Damian Lillard. Which no, was CJ McCollum. Oh, was, he, was it CJ? No, I, no, he no, was CJ. He crossed CJ, but he had a step back on Dame. That's did you see the, the Did you see the tweet though? Uh, I don't think so. Did you see that, Nick? Yeah, the, it was a thing from a. It was like him critiquing him from the preseason when he got crossed, and I forgot what happened. But he he like clapped back at him for it. I remember. So so the tweet I'm talking about is when Jordan Poole got drafted. I guess CJ McCollum and Booker and him, I guess they know each other somehow, or maybe not, but they. CJ quoted him getting drafted and said, hey, make sure you, like, own this man and, and let him know what it's like to be in the league or whatever. And then Poole crossed up CJ, so everyone was quoting CJs and be like, oh, he showed you what it's like to be in the league, CJ. Mm-hmm. So, Would uh, either of you like to guess what Jordan Poole is shooting from the field this season? I know oh, it's pretty bad. So you I'm kind of scared. 28. Ryan? Are we from the field or from three? Yeah, from the field. Uh, I'll take the over, 29. 26. You should have oh, taken the under. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is averaging 10 points a game on 11 shots. Oh, my God. That's so bad. I was just say, because he's definitely getting a lot of minutes and playing a lot of time. He's just not been efficient at all. He is shooting 19% from three, or from the two this season. From my three, God, he's shooting 31. My God, that's triple Mike, that's triple Mike Muscala's numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the Warriors are, uh, the Warriors have many problems, but it, it, look, it looks like it might help them out next year, so we'll see. I'm I do think, though, if they keep a lot of these guys, like they're like a Glenn Robinson, Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole, Damian, if they keep these guys around, they can have a really solid core next year with Steph, Clay, Draymond, and whoever they get for D'Lo. Like, I think that's a really good team. Well, them getting all this experience playing this year should at least help them if they keep them around as the bench yeah. pieces for next it'll, year. It'll make them a lot stronger as a unit going forward, especially like Nick was saying with having them as bench pieces. Because if you have to play as a starter in the NBA for a whole season, you if you're like Eric Pasquin, you have to carry a roster out of nowhere after being drafted in was, was it the second round? I think it was early. Yeah, it was he, either late first, or early second. Okay, and that's that's just kind of a crazy position to get thrown into, but. Really, the Warriors, and something that could help them too is if the say the Warriors get the first overall pick, and like Tyrese Maxey for Kentucky and like Cole Anthony are the top prospects, and they don't really need a, like a guard like that. 
they could draft or they could trade down, get more pieces for their bench, mm-hmm. and then draft like a Vernon Carrier or a James Wiseman. Which is stop, stop, stop. Terrif- I'm sure. telling you, man, I'm so scared it's gonna be the same thing that happened with that Spurs team. Oh, I don't want the Warriors. The Warriors are gone for now. Let's just appreciate that, I guess, for this yep. season. They're not. They're gonna Warriors. be nice. They are gonna be nice next year, and I think they're oh, they're gonna be. If, assuming everything stays the same, they're my favorites for next year. I'm not even kidding. Oh God, please stop. All right, let's talk. Let's talk about the favorites of this year. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about load management in particular. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna uh, speak on this first because I've been very vocal on Twitter about this. But this Kawhi load management bullshit. Is unreal <laughs> to me. It is unfathomable how a player can. He's played. There's been eight games this year, and he's only played six of them, and he hasn't had an injury destination. They don't even give a shit. They just said out for rest. They don't even like make something up, like oh he's sore from the last game or something. They don't even say anything. And I think, especially for you, have paying fans coming to watch him play, and both games he sat out were live television primetime games against really good teams that they that ended was up really disappointing. that they ended up losing to. Not by a lot either. They, I think they beat the Bucks with Kawhi. They only lost by like a couple points without him. Especially with Paul George coming back. Like I get sitting Kawhi with Paul George back in the lineup because they're like interchangeable essentially. Like you, ha- you can sit one and still be a really good team with the other one leading the way. But why in the world would you? Well, he's coming back next week. Let Kawhi sit when he's when he's back. I don't understand it. I don't know. What do you guys think? I I was watching something the other day, some sports show, but. People apparently like people have heard that Kawhi told the Clippers before he came, he's like, I'm playing 65 games max, and then I'll play in the playoffs, but I want to play like max 65 games in the regular season, which I could see because Kawhi clearly wants to take rest during the season. Which I don't know if you guys saw the Michael Jordan quote uh, that someone was saying. I think it was James Brago, the Hornets coach, said that he's heard Michael Jordan tell like Hornets players. Uh, we pay you guys to play 82 games. So you're going to play 82 games, uh, which I, I like. It just makes me sad that, like, so the other day during the Thunder game, there was a fan there who was holding up a sign that says, I came all the way from Italy to see Danilo Gallinari, which is, like, really cool. Imagine a fan comes from so far away to come see, like, Kawhi Leonard play. And because they just love. Yeah, like, like imagine, it's, imagine this. It's a father, son, or something like that. They have they have no money. They afford they can they save up for one ticket to see a Clippers game, and they drive or fly to L.A. Whatever they do, and then they get there and their favorite player doesn't play, which is and they get smacked on live okay, television. Well, I'm gonna say that that family has poor financial management when you're yeah. making all your money for a ticket <laughs> for a game that's on live television. Yeah. However, but, what I would like to say on this topic, I think that obviously you guys have given some very fair points. It stinks people coming to games and watching it the primetime matchups but at the end of the day the team has to make the choice that helps them win a championship the most when your team like the clippers and resting Kawhi on the game like this is the best decision there because we don't know the full health of his knee we don't know that or his quad or whatever it's been all these years but i just like to make informed opinions and we don't really have the information here and i'm just gonna the team doctors know better, and the coaching staff knows better when the rest of the guys than I do. So I don't. They really didn't know feel, better for Kevin Durant. I don't really feel obliged. Yeah, well, that was the playoffs. That's a big difference. I just don't feel obliged <laughs> to yell at the team here for playing for re- letting their guy rest in regular season games that don't really mean that much at the end of the day. 
the thing is, you say they don't, you say they don't mean much, but when they when they lose out on home court advantage by two or three games at the end of the year, and you have people bitching about it, it's gonna come back to like, bite them. Imagine, I mean, it's a bigger deal to the media than it is to them, though. That's true, but like, say there's gonna be like people questioning it. Say, I mean, if the Clippers win a championship, of course everything happened, like like it was all good. But if they don't win a championship, then there's a lot of talk like. Why didn't you play your guys more? Like you could have won more games. You could have had the home court advantage. You could I mean, have the had Raptors did the same thing last year. It worked out for them. They, they did. Got, they, they were also they resting have, him though as the first seed though. Yeah, they weren't the one seed. I mean, they were, but they. Were, I'm saying though, they were like pretty comfortably ahead of everyone else. It wasn't like it's not like the East was easily the Raptors, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers last year. There was no one else really competing for them. When you're in a West that's completely stacked, and you could have eight or nine teams have any have almost any spot in that standings. You can't like let these games get by. I don't know. It'll it really. I think the Clippers are comfortable with their talent enough to do that. I mean, they saw the team go out and wax the not wax, but beat the Lakers pretty comfortably opening night without Paul George. Mm -hmm. It really is what it comes down to: do you win a championship or not? Because the whole goal is winning a championship. And if if they rest and he wins and they win a championship, then. It was all like whatever. It was all. I agree. I agree. We, we missed out on some cool matchups with him and Giannis. That would have been awesome to see, but at the same time, winning a championship is the goal, like Nick was saying. So I'm kind of in the middle on it. I don't really know. Like it sucks. I hate that fans don't get to see these awesome matchups, and the NBA doesn't like it because they find people like they find the Clippers fifty thousand dollars, and it's hard to find a balance between resting players because you want to win a championship. Resting or in resting players because they're injured, while also trying to make that chemistry work. The Clippers already seem like they have good chemistry, so I don't think that's a big issue. And like we were talking about, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are kind of interchangeable players in a way that they can both handle the ball, shoot the See, that's ball. That's my thing, dude. I don't understand why don't they rest Kawhi when George gets back. I can agree with that. I feel like resting this early, especially like eight games into the season, is kind they of... just had three months hurt. off. I get it if it was like the middle of the year and clearly you don't want him to play back-to-backs when he's already got 30 or 40 games under his legs, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it's too early to start doing the whole load management thing. If it was later in the season, I'd be like, no, I get it. It makes sense, especially since he has an injury history. But I don't know. It just feels like they're robbing people of some cool matchups, which clearly the NBA also thinks with the fines and all they that. They literally just find them the money they lost probably from viewership or like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what they probably calculated. It's like, all right, okay. all right, give us our 50K back. Give it back. Um. But uh, speaking of LA, uh, I know we talked about the Clippers a lot, but the other LA team, they're playing really well. Uh, Dwight Howard looks like he's got his ass together, literally and physically. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he's playing really well. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. But um, LeBron is putting up – a lot of people have LeBron as their number one MVP guy right now, and I wouldn't shy away from that, honestly. He's been awesome. He's um averaging, yeah, 11, assists fair, per yeah. he's averaging 11 assists per game. And his defense, he looks like he's playing defense now. And other than that blunder against the Clippers, that's what a lot of people, especially like Stephen A. and Max Kellerman on first take, are holding against him is that first game against the Clippers. But other than that, he's been awesome this year. And I'd argue three, a lot If his three starts game. falling – like it'll be because he's shooting 29 percent from there right yeah. now it's bound to go up because it's lebron yeah, we'll have to see on that but he really does has looked like like people after the first couple games this season all the people saying oh lebron's washed and during the offseason all these people were like Kawhi leonard is the best player in the league or uh kevin durant or Giannis. but i feel like 
until I see LeBron play like a full season healthy and he's just clearly not the same player, I can't say he's not the best player in the league. I still think he is because the stuff he's able to do is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, he's shooting pretty well from the line for his usual standards. Um, he's almost at 80%. Uh, 26 points per game. He leads the league in assists, a steal and a half a game, almost a block a game. He's doing all this without a point guard, too. He doesn't oh, have a, They don't have a legit point guard on their team. 11 assists and four turnovers is a pretty solid ratio for how much he handles the ball. Uh, he's shooting... So his field goal percentage is 48, but that's mostly in due part to only 29% from the field because on twos, he's shooting 56%, mm. which is kind of crazy. He's he's just playing every in every facet of the game. And like you said, it looks like he's trying on defense, which is something they need. And I feel like now that it's the, this Lakers team almost feels re-energized. It's coaching There's, too, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank God they got rid of Luke Walton. Oh, we don't. <laughs> we don't say his name here. Yeah. We don't say Luke Walton's name around here if we can avoid it. The but. Kings have won though. I think the Kings haven't lost since we slandered Luke Walton on uh, our show. I don't and think. Maybe, I don't maybe, think he's, maybe he's a, maybe he's a fan of the pod. And, you know, no, he definitely heard. Uh, but. No, the late Frank Vogels looked like a great coach for them. Like they've looked really solid. They've been six and one, and Anthony Davis hasn't even really been like amazing yet. You know, mm. he's, he's putting up twenty six point six a night, but he's shooting forty six percent from the field, which is a bit a bit below his career tick, and it's probably going to go up a little soon. So. And he's only shooting twenty five percent from three too. Like the th- the three ball really isn't falling much for the Lakers and. Kuzma's back from injury, but he hasn't been too great starting out, which I'm sure will turn around eventually because he's a solid player. But this Lakers team feels like they're already pretty good, and there's a lot of room to move up. Which, when did they get Rondo back? Does anyone know, really? He's been, I, like, doubtful. and pro- He's been, like, up and down the injury chart. Like, everyone thought he was going to play after that first game, and then I saw he, he had a chance to play the other night. I would say by this week or next week he should be back. Yeah, like, he was questionable opening night and still hasn't played, which is very weird. And yeah. I think he was questionable last night too, or the, whenever they played last, and he didn't. He was like a game time decision, didn't end up playing. So I think he's close. I think they're just not questioning. Tonight him. for the game against the Heat, he's listed as doubtful, and he's listed as day to day with a calf injury. So he should be back soon. If he's only doubtful, I would guess he's back within the next week, which is another solid player to have coming. It's gonna be really interesting to see what he does with that team, just to see how he adds to the mix because yeah. they've been kind of flowing well so far. So it'd be if he like knowing 2019 Rondo, he honestly could make things worse because he has his better days are behind him. Yeah, but last thing, last thing on the Lakers, I think they play they almost play kind of old school basketball a little bit, like they're just like athletic, moving the ball around and not like not like the Rockets threes, like chucking up the threes. I don't know. I feel like they play a little bit more old yeah. school, which is kind of cool to see. They've really been falling on Danny Green though. Oh yeah, Danny yeah except Danny Green. Danny Green's been fantastic. He's he was really good, a really 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 good pickup for them, who someone they could absolutely use on a roster like that with not a lot of three point shooters, but just kind of lob it to Danny Green in the corner and just let him shoot, almost like a JJ Redick type for the Sixers last year. That just, can actually play defense too. Yeah, that can play defense too as well. Not well, not as good of a shooter as JJ Redick, of course, because God, that dude's ridiculous. That man's falling out of bounds and just makes shots. Anyways, <laughs> Dan. The Lakers have just looked good. They're really fun to watch, and they've looked better than most people gave them credit for. And a lot of people thought, like, oh, they would start resting players. They'd be, like, a 4-5 or five seed. But I could see them, like, the way they've been playing, they could fight for that one seed if they, depending on how they start resting players, which, like we were talking about earlier, they could start doing midseason. 
but I guess we'll have to find out. But they've looked like probably, I would say, the better of the two L.A. teams right now. Of course, Paul George hasn't been back. But... Yeah, I think once Paul George comes back, we'll have an accurate depiction of which one's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, but uh, that's kind of crazy. They lost their first game now, a six-game win streak. Uh, another team that's done that, Nick, the Celtics. Yes, sir. I'll I know you want to talk about them, Nick. So go ahead. What uh, the white? He's they're getting carried by the white man, Gordon Hayward. Uh, <laughs> he's been fantastic his past games. I had him in Fanduel against the Cavs, and this man dropped like was it a forty piece? Did he get? He 40? dropped thirty nine. Thirty nine. He uh, made he made seventeen or sixteen two point attempts and didn't miss a single one, which is insane. That was his career high, right? That thirty nine. Yeah, that was his career high actually. I think. Yeah, he talk, about had, this, talk about talk about the Celtics like in the playoff game. Let's, let's hear um, about them. Let's see. We started off 0-1 with losses in the Sixers. We've beat the Raptors and Bucks, our strongest wins. We've just kind of been taking care of business against lower-tier teams in our league, which is not something to, like, write home about, but it's just good to see it early in the season winning the games that you should win because a lot of those get dropped randomly through the year, and we really just that's just going to hurt you in the standings. But the starting line has just been carrying. Our bench is our biggest question mark, and that remains true. Our leading score, even on our easy win last night against the Hornets, our leading score was Javante Green off the bench with 12, and I'm sure most of our listeners don't even know who that is. Like, we have three guys in the starting line putting up 20, and then Jalen Brown also at, like, 17 at night. So it's it's really the starting lineup is going to be what decides if we win or not. Yeah, exactly. Just, they were going to carry us as far as we go this season. I think the buyout market is going to determine how you guys can fare in the playoffs because you'll be your <clears throat> your starting lineup will help you enough in the regular season to be a top team. But I think in, once you get into the playoffs and people start getting tired and they've played a lot of minutes, you're going to need some more bench pieces to help get you that over that um, hump. Cause you're relying on a lot of rookies and like semi ogelays right now. And that's just, <laughs> that's just not going to, that's just not going to fly once you start playing these teams in like a seven game series. So I think the that's going to be hopefully key. get better as the season goes on. Cause the rookies, you know, Grant's already looked like a solid contributor off the bench. Him and smart are dependable. After that, though, it gets kind of up in the air. Mm. <clears throat> what, uh, yeah, and what about Ennis Kanter? Do you think that there's any correlation between the fact that the only game you all have lost was when he played? Like, do you think Tice is actually a better fit in the starting lineup moving oh, forward? Well, Kanter was never going to start from the beginning. Kanter started game one because matchups. We don't. Tice is going to be our normal starter, but we play like a behemoth at center. You can't start Tice because he's a little bit undersized. So when we play like your Joel Embiid's or Andre Drummond's, we're going to have to start Cantor or maybe like Rob Williams or something. But I think Tice is 100% the best rounded center on the Celtics because he can do a little bit of defense. He hasn't shot that well this year, but he can stretch the floor. He's good in pick and roll. He can get rebounds. He just does a little bit of everything. I think people really overblew our center situation in the offseason because if you look at even the best teams in the league, Golden State was running through rotations of mid-centers their entire dynasty from, like, mm-hmm. Bogut was pretty solid, honestly. But after that, they had, like, fucking Pachulia, Damian uh, Lee, like we were saying, Kavon Looney. Like, Wait, you say you Damian Lee? He's a shooting guard, or dog. Damian, Damian Jones? Jones? Yeah, my bad. <laughs> the, the guy they shipped off. Man, but they yeah, really haven't really overshot that situation. The trio of Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Hayward this year in their on-court minutes have a plus 22 net rating. And that's a great thing to see because at the beginning of the year, they kind of struggled together last year. I just think that's, that's has a lot to do with Kemba too. I think yeah. Addition by subtraction. <laughs> I honestly was just like a parasite. You just kind of like suck the life out of them. People really tried blaming last year's success or like lack of it on Hayward coming back. Like dude, 
Oh my god. Yeah, I, I think... I, I'm just so glad to not have Kyrie anymore. If we're being real, like he's a great player and everything, but that's just a headache. Oh, you never know what's gonna happen in a press conference after a game. Like mm-hmm. it's just such a relief. I feel like the, the team even feels it. And you too. can't trust what he says to the crowd either. And he's so unpredictable just as a person. The 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 best representation of this. We played New York the other day, a game that was closer than it should have been. They brought it back. Marcus Morris was in his bag in a revenge game, and we drew up a play for a Jason Tatum mid-range shot off an inbound for the win, and he canned it. Great highlight, right over R.J. Barrett, Duke on Duke crime. Last year, he ran the same play off an inbound, and Kyrie lost it. And Kyrie started yelling at Hayward for passing it into Tatum, and he started yelling at Tatum for taking that shot because Kyrie should have had the ball because it's Kyrie's team. This year, it's nobody's team, which is why we're succeeding so much. Everybody just does their job. You have any thoughts on the Celtics, Connor? I didn't have. I wasn't. I haven't been able to watch much of them so far this season. Although I have watched some of like the past few couple games where Gordon Hayward's played really well. It's been really cool to see him play that well, and I, I'm so happy about that because he was really fun to watch in Utah, and that injury was heartbreaking. So to see him come back and play the way he has been playing is absolutely fantastic to see, of course, and. They just look really solid, uh, tied for the best record in the league right now uh, with the Lakers, both 6-1, and one, top of their conferences. They looked amazing, and Ke- I love seeing Kemba succeed. Uh, always been a huge fan of Kemba. Saw a Kemba Charlotte jersey the other day. Oh my uh, gosh, I saw that too. That was really <laughs> uh, it, was good, it was good to see. Proud of that guy. For It was actually my Spanish partner, random site. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'll have to ask him about that, but... It's just cool to see Kemba on a win in a winning team, and I'm sure he's loving it because the Hornets, the best they ever did was make like the four or five seed, and it's a completely different environment from when Kyrie was there last year. Things feel like like they feel like a team more so, I would say, uh, like Nick was talking about, like with the Jason Tatum inbound thing, and ever, everyone was psyched to see him hit it. Uh, I feel like ever since Jason Tatum high five to Paul Pierce, he's gotten superpowers, so that could help them out. Uh, that'll be a cool picture to see if the Celtics like say go on to win a championship or something this season. But I, to be honest, when Kyrie's on the Celtics, I really did not like them. But I find this Celtics team a lot easier to enjoy watching. Yeah, and I don't like, think I don't think Celtics fan likes them either. Yeah, that's Celtics true. Yeah. So it was such a change of pace from IT days. It feels like the IT days again. Mm-hmm. Which is which is cool because the IT Celtics were so fun to watch. I I wanted to see them win games. Uh, with Kyrie, I was like, uh, this team. <laughs> he was just a, he's just a head case, uh, like you were saying. But no, I'm glad to see Gordon Hayward especially playing well. It's good to see. I've always been lower on Jason Tatum than most people, so it's good to see him proving me wrong so far this season and excelling outside of what I thought he would do this season. Hopefully, he can keep that up. And Outside of that, I think it's just cool that it's looking like the East will be less of a two-team race between like the Sixers and Bucks, like a lot of people thought it would, with the Heat playing pretty well, the Celtics playing pretty well, like we've been talking about, which, of course, makes for a more fun season. Yeah, I think what? for the Celtics, it's going to come down to um, when they play these teams with the better, better big men, can Tice and Co. keep up with them, and then is their bench going to improve? I think those are definitely the two. Mm-hmm. The two storylines going down the road for Boston. And like you, you were talking, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say real quick. Like you're talking about the uh, the buyout market will be probably really interesting this season. Uh, like Andre Iguodala could be bought out by the Grizzlies, 
which mm. he could be a good wing to pick up. I know he's really old, but it's always good to have a finals MVP on the roster. I feel like and... people have already like pre-booked him going to the Lakers. Like, you know, yeah. I, feel I like could that's see... just, like rumors everywhere. I could absolutely see him going there, but at the same time, like a team like the Celtics could use him. Uh, I'm trying to think of other players who could get bought out. Um, I mean, the Celtics could also try to make a trade for someone. And this Cantor bought out. Damn, that's rough, man. That's a buyout that could help. The I can see Willie Colley Stein getting bought out. Yeah, I just remembered. I wanted to say with Hayward, like you guys, like we've been saying he's been playing well. We could read his numbers and how they're good and everything. But the most encouraging part of this season so far is, especially in that game he dropped forty, it just looked so easy. Like, it didn't look like he was sweating out there. Like, every minute of his made shots, he just – he was getting to the hoop at ease, pulling up for mid-range, getting to whatever spot he wanted to be at. And that's just insane compared night and day with what it was last year because his just confidence and, like, everything out there on the court just looks so much different. And that's really changing the, like, outlook of this Celtics season because I don't think anybody – people might have expected Hayward to take a jump, but not like this. And it's just changed the entire outlook of the East, I feel like. I mean – Something that could help. I mean, if the Celtics really wanted to, imagine the Lakers bought out KCP. That'd be crazy. <laughs> what, what about if the Thunder bought out Mike Muscala? Oh, that'd oh be a big pickup for Boston. Sweet Lord, please avoid him at all costs. I don't know how we got Abdul Nader and Mike Muscala on the same roster. That's ridiculous. We should not We should not be allowed to win NBA basketball games. All right, Ryan, you're uh, Sixers here. Yeah, Top yeah. competition for the Celtics. Dropped a couple games Speed of a team that has been winning games lately. What's been up with them? What's been up with Philadelphia, bro? Well, for the lack of a better term, Ben Simmons has been playing kind of like a bitch. His, uh, <laughs> his, defense has been, his defense has been good, but he still has yet to shoot anything admirable outside the paint. And he had more steals and points the other night, which that can't happen. Like, I don't care how many steals you get. You, you're a second-best player. You need to be putting up some more baskets, be a little bit more aggressive. And I don't know. I'm hoping that that shoulder injury has been lingering because he kind of like that whole game. He looked kind of off because he's a lot of his problem has been with finishing. Like he's had a lot of good looks, but he hasn't finished them. So I'm hoping that shoulder might be one of the reasons why he can't finish strong. Ryan hopes Ben Simmons has a shoulder injury. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying (laughs) I hope he, I'm just saying fan hates on the Sixers. (laughs) I'm just saying, I hope that Ben Simmons was playing bad because he was hurt. Not because he stinks. That's what I'm more going for. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, um, let me just say thank God for Furkan Korkmaz because without this man we'd have we'd on three game losing streak right now, and <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to take that. That shot last week was one of the craziest ones I've ever seen. If Korkmaz can be a contributor, that would be a big boost. Honestly, because that is a very surprising yeah, thing. To he's be been happening. he's been good, man. He's he's been a shooting like above fifty percent from three. Forty two percent on deep so far on the season. I know. Um, Four and a half shots a night. Pretty impressive. And we need that off the bench. And he's been getting some spot starts, too, especially when Embiid was out. But, um, yeah, I think overall for Philly, our issue is mostly – because every game has been close. It's not like we're getting blown out. I just think it's people not playing up to their potential. Like, Tobias Harris will have an off night. Ben Simmons has had an off season. Uh, Embiid clearly missed two games. Not going to make excuses. But, I mean, obviously that doesn't help. And then, yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to is we just haven't had everyone playing well at the same time. And I think, like, kind of like with the Celtics right now, like, you guys have, like, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, Kemba, they're all, like, in their bag right now and playing well. So I think once the Sixers can finally get their heads out of their asses, I think we'll be fine. Like, I think we're much more like the team that won their first six games or first five games 
than a team that hasn't won since. Yeah, I think I'm definitely still scared of the Sixers, obviously, as a top team in the East. I wouldn't put too much stock into dropping a couple games early in the season. I think they just need to find their roles, really, because they had a lot of changing pieces this offseason. Once that settles into place, they'll be a team to be reckoned with. Hopefully they can get back to the way they were playing originally. Of course, if Furkan Korkmaz can be a contributor, that is a big boost for them because otherwise he's garbage. And if Ben Simmons can turn it around... Ron, I have a question for you. Is it yeah. frustrating as a Philly fan to see these videos of Ben Simmons knocking down jumpers? Dude, it is inf- it's infuriating, man. Everyone knows he can make them. He just doesn't try. It's insane to me. And especially like... Like when we were playing the Jazz, and I had a lot of hate on Twitter for this, but Ben Simmons, we were like, we were like losing pretty badly, not badly, but like clearly looked inferior. They took Ben Simmons out and put in Neto, and there was just so much more spacing and so much the lane was open more. And I don't know, man. I think Ben Simmons is an amazing player. He's one of, if not my favorite player in the NBA. But he's got to like, add, he hasn't added anything to his offensive game other than being stronger since being put into the league. So he's he's got to do something. Like I appreciate his steals are up, and he's looked amazing. Like I would argue he's been Defensive Player of the Year candidate so far for just how well he's been locking people up. But that point just took me back to the Celtics Sixers playoff series a couple of seasons ago, because I just remember in that series in particular when T.J. McConnell was on the court, it was a lot scarier to me than when Ben Simmons was on the court, and that should just never happen. And he didn't play just, the Heat series. He didn't, yeah. he didn't play at all. We brought him out because we're like, all right, we need some space yeah. in there. We need some. And he was in the bench unit was the thing like keeping you in that five game series with Boston that year. Like TJ McConnell's minutes were big plus minus minutes for the team. And like that series right there is the first we ever pointed out in my head. Like, wow, the Simmons thing actually is a problem. Like him not shooting. So he, he I don't know why in one of these blowout games, he's not even blow up, but like when you guys are like down by a decent amount, just or even up by a bunch, just up yeah, by a bunch, just, like run just up chuck high. a three, just chuck a three, like get some confidence. Like yeah. just even B is one of the best, if not best, rebounder in the NBA, maybe behind Drummond. He's under the just shoot it and maybe he'll pick it up if you miss. Like I don't know. Real Another quick thing, thing. Okay. Go ahead, Connor. No, you okay. go ahead and then I'll say my rant. Oh, okay. Uh, just really, the I mean the Sixers have looked good and all um other than the last couple games i think it's just it'll take time to gel uh horford's been awesome for them and i think it's taking a little bit of time to gel that team together i think simmons is still trying to figure out his place because horford's and with all that many big players on the court dude horford's been our three-point sniper so far we've been running up plays for al horford to shoot threes nick i know that boston did not do that like he obviously had some opportunities but you did not have brad stevens being like all right we're gonna get al the ball at three again I know that was not designed to play. keep feeding Horford threes. That three he hit against the Suns was awesome. Yeah, the, the Al Horford Aaron Baines matchup was really oh my that, goodness that we imagined. The two best centers in the league. It's crazy. The two biggest Celtics losses this offseason. Wow, <laughs> battling it out for the top two teams in their conferences. <laughs> crazy. Nick, if you guys still had Horford on your team, I would argue you guys were the best team in the East. Honestly, okay, so no, I really. You guys both know how much I like Al Horford, but losing him, honestly, I think has helped a little bit because it has given our wing people more of a playmaking role and allowed them to ball handle more than they're used to, and it's allowed them to grow as players, I feel like. That's fair enough. Because, like, not having to give the ball to our center at all, basically, when Tice or Rob is in, just, like, lets the other guys play more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And uh, one thing I have a, before we move on from the Sixers, the biggest thing that I've noticed too, and this was not so much in the Jazz. I mean, it was a little bit because Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell started to suck ass in the second half, but he torched us in the first. And Don and Devin Booker clearly beat the crap out of us. He dropped forty. But the defending the pick and roll, the Sixers cannot and have never been able to defend the pick and roll. And I don't understand why. Maybe you guys as outsiders could have some input on this, but every single time it's the big man sets a pick, they passes it off to their their guard that can shoot, and he shoots a mid-range and makes it. And I kid you not, they pulled the Suns pulled this play three times in a row, and Devin Booker made it every time, and we just looked like who, who dumbfounded. Who are they putting in the pick and roll? Like, like is it like defense? Simmons and Embiid, or...? It, it's usually usually the big man, and then if him, maybe it's like Richardson, because Richardson's usually guarding the point guard, or Thibault, or sometimes Simmons. They move Simmons on Booker a little bit. That's probably a little bit of your problem of not having like a definitive point guard in the lineup. It's just like there's a quick, there's always going to be a guy on the floor that's quicker than your quickest guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Booker is always going to be quicker than Jay Rich, or like Kemba for the Celtics, or like Kyrie. Like, that's a problem in the pick and roll, but giving up open mid-range isn't necessarily, like, a terrible thing because that's not, like, a shot people are looking for. Yeah, the thing is, though, they're just, like, that's the reason we lost to the Suns. If we could have guarded the pick and roll, we beat them. And same with the Jazz because Donovan Mitchell, the only bet, he made a couple threes, but every drive he took was terrible, and he bricked a lot of shots at the end. But if it wasn't for, if it was that pick and roll session, that was what was killing us. I think it's just not having a quick guard to help. Yeah, us. It, might be it, could hurting, be, it could be a bit of the fact that the Sixers have so much size that they don't have quicker players. Simmons is obviously, of course, really quick for his size, but not having like a, a faster player to quickly get around that screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they should try and get the a pick dog, Dodger Badger too. Um, <laughs> But, really, but it's, it's always it's always been a problem. Not even just this. Like even last year, we had Jimmy Butler, or like the year before. I don't know. It's this has always been a problem since. It could just be part of the defense that's in play that just kind of struggles with it. It could be a Brett Brown thing. Uh, I don't Do you know. guys switch on everything? Uh, it we I would say yes because we have the size. Anyone can kind of guard anybody in terms. Like there's not really a lot of mismatches that can cause for us. Sometimes when teams do that, it kind of hurts them in the pick and roll because you just mm-hmm. get weird matchups. Like the Celtics switch on everything almost all the time, mm-hmm. and that hurts us. Sometimes when you have like Tice on like a point guard for a second before they can fix it. Yeah. All right. So moving on from the Sixers, hopefully they play the Nuggets tonight. Hopefully they can p- turn it around. Should be a good game. Yeah. yeah, Jokic has been ass, so hopefully we take advantage of that. And can I, can I throw a thing in real quick uh, before mm-hmm. we move to the next topic? Something I just saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that apparently a bunch of Warriors team officials are denying the thing about Curry, uh, which apparently came from Rick Buecher, a Bleacher Report source who isn't... Oh, Rick Buecher's terrible. Um, No wonder. One source uh, told the San Francisco Chronicle that Rick Buecher's report was, quote, complete hogwash. Um, And they said, like we've said, he's going to be reevaluated in three months and we'll go from there. There's no reason to believe right now that he can't play this season. Of course, that might change when they're like two and thirty-one when Curry comes back, um, and they might be like, "All right, we'll just shut him down for the season." But it would be nice to see Curry come back. Uh, he's the league's worse off when he's not playing, so we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Breaking, not breaking news: Rick Buecher's a fraud. <laughs> if, if anybody is listening to this, please don't listen to Rick Buecher's stories or rumors in the Buecher's in the off season. Please don't, please don't give us your stories. If Rick Buecher is listening to this, please stop reporting. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of people who are very bad at their craft, 
Let's talk about the NBA teams who haven't been good this year. <laughs> Excellent. Ryan, would you like to... Uh, I say, all right, let's, each pick, let's each pick a team. Let's each pick a crappy team, and we can talk about them a little bit. Do we need... Do we, all right, should we focus on, like, underperforming? Or nah, just, like, who just sucks just ass? Shitty? Okay. Sucks. Awful? Okay, we can do that. So, all Connor, right. why don't you start? I know you don't like the Knicks, so why don't you talk oh about Oh, my God, the Knicks, man. I, I talked about this last week. I don't want to talk about... I might, I might talk about them and another team, just because I talked about the Knicks so much last season. Can I talk about the Knicks and the Magic? Can I talk about them? Well, sure, yeah. why not? Okay. okay. I was just going to... Just, I'm going to go back to what I said about the Knicks. Uh, they are so unfun to watch, man. I hate it. And... They've their last two games they lost by twenty to the Pistons and twenty one to the Kings. Uh, they're just not. They scored eighty three total points against the Magic uh, on uh, October thirtieth. They lost. They've just the only game. What was the one game they won? Who did they beat? They beat the Bulls. That's the only team they've beat. Beating the Bulls in the flex. They, they've played some bad teams so far, or teams that have been underperforming so far. And they got the Mavericks today. Oh my God, Kristaps is gonna kill them. Uh, they're just not fun to watch. Like they've, they've got talent. It's just such mismatched talent that it just doesn't like come together in a way that's enjoyable to watch, and clearly doesn't lead to wins. So maybe this, maybe the Knicks will get Lamelo Ball to pair alongside RJ Barrett. We'll see. And then the Magic, like we were saying earlier, it took them, it took them seven. They played seven NBA basketball games without scoring over 100 points, which is awful. We talked about Aaron Gordon's two egregious offensive fouls against the Mavericks the other day. <laughs> they, they just have not looked – for a team that people thought could be a top – like, or at least Magic fans thought they could be one of the top five teams in the East, they just haven't looked like it. Mo Bamba – I was watching uh, the Magic Thunder game. Mo Bamba looked pretty decent. Uh, he, for some reason, he's really good at hitting threes, unless that's just against us. But they've they just haven't looked great. Aaron Gordon hasn't looked great. Markel Fultz has been okay, but nothing too special. They've just got they need a star. If there was a team that I would want to see trade for D'Angelo Russell somehow, I would like to see the Magic try and trade for him. It I wouldn't, like that. Fit. It I wouldn't like be that. It wouldn't be the best. Mo Bamba would be a good trade piece though, because for the Warriors, especially. Yeah, the, I'm sure the Warriors would take Mo Bamba. Like. I might try and draw up a trade at some point, but for, see if that could happen. But it just feels like they need in the next week's episode to find out about the trade. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You're <laughs> my D'Angelo Russell to the Magic trade, but I don't. I feel like they need something. That team has been has like had the same core players for, for like so ten long, years, <laughs> and they they just haven't been good. They need something. They need some like big burst of like they drafted Mo Bamba and he has like not played very much for him. They got traded a former overall pick, number one overall pick, Markel Fultz. Well, for nothing, I might add. We we basically got nothing from chips. Him. Yeah, and he's just kind of there. Like they had an All Star Vucevic and like. No one, there's no hype around it. They got the offseason signing was Al Farouk Aminu. <laughs> they, just don't, they just don't feel like they have like a fire to them. I don't know how a team can have the same roster for so long, like so many young players, and just not get better. Like, El, like they had Alfred Payton at one point, which is insane because I feel like he's been in the league for a million years. Bryce Harris, Oladipo, Sabonis. They've had so many players who are, like, decent. Uh, Alfred Payton was maybe not the best example of that. But they've had so many players who are decent that they had, and now they don't have, but they have all these players, and the team is just so mid. And I don't know, I don't know what they can do about it at this point because they keep drafting people at positions they don't need fit. 
and then stay meh forever. So maybe they'll turn around. Jonathan Isaac has looked good is one positive, but outside of that, they're just not great to watch. All right. Uh, Ryan, do you have a, a team you want to focus on here? Or you want me to take the wheel from you? Uh, you? You go and go first. I'm interested to see who you got. All right. I've looked around a little bit to see what I want to talk about, and I've settled on the Chicago Bulls because oh, I thought they could I... maybe make some noise this year, and they've been kind of mid. And they've been kind of mid is generous. Games. Mid is generous. Yeah. So they be they 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 gave the Knicks a win. That's that should just never happen. <laughs> so, um, they let's start at the top. Zach Levine, twenty points a game, forty four from the field, thirty nine from three. Respectable numbers. He's doing about about on par what he's doing. Laurie Markkinen shooting below forty percent, putting a fifteen a night. That's just he's looked not, terrible. That should just not happen. Wendell Carter is taking a solid step, I feel like, though. He's averaging 13-9, and 58 from the field. Like, I think they're liking his production. And their point guard situation to me is just so weird. You draft Kobe White that high to bring him off the bench for Thomas Sadoransky, who's not a bad player by any means. He's having an He did drop season. 30 the other night. He dropped 30. He's having an okay season. Like, you went on bottom this summer, which is a... Well, we, we could talk about that signing at a different time. but And then you also are giving Chris Dunn 20 minutes tonight, and he's just kind of Chris Dunn, so like, it's not like he's going to do anything great. He's really he, Chris Dunning up yeah. the court. He's really Chris, Chris Dunning up the court. And then they just really don't have anything else going for them. Like Otto Porter's been really disappointing this season. Thad Young, just they signed him just to play him sparingly yeah, like play it all he's such a solid player that's a guy like he's kind of wasted i feel like he, he, guy, he, he could be so good for a contributor the bulls just have too many eh, people i feel like you know they need to trade some people and just get someone pretty good or just do something i don't know something needs to change there i just don't like the bulls like roster construction <laughs> as it is right now take the whole bulls and just throw kind of throw them away let's take the bulls and move them somewhere else and <laughs> From what I'm looking at here is their three-point shooting has been abysmal this year based on their numbers. Except Otto Porter is doing okay on threes. And Sadoransky's shooting well, but he's only taking two a night. So the Bulls just have a lot of weird things going on with them. I don't know. Their roster needs some things. Really coach, weird I hate their coach. I hate their no, coach. Jim Boylan sucks. Jim Boylan sucks. They had a but... mutiny. The team had a mutiny and, like, threatened to, like, not play, like, the coach. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we'll give him an extension. Like, how does that happen? So, yeah, that's a, that's my breakdown on There's the so Chicago Bulls for there. you. Go get David Blatt. Come on, man. Go hire Ty Lue. Hire Mello. <laughs> Mello is doing nothing. He was sitting at the UVA Syracuse game in the worst outfit I've ever seen the other day. <laughs> Did you see what he said, though? Uh, he was, they're like, do you still want to play? He was like, 200%. Make that the headline. All right, buddy. I'll say. All right, so my bad Calling team. the G League. <laughs> <laughs> Calling the magic. Let's see. I already said the G League. <laughs> We've already shit on the Kings enough last episode. And they've won two in a row or something yeah, like have. that. They're proving us wrong, man. Luke Walton's listening. Uh, you've, Magic. Cavs are supposed to be bad. Wizards are supposed to be bad. All right, I'm going to talk about Brooklyn for a little bit. Oh, they're I only th- they're only three and that. four, but I've talked about this a little bit. I just I feel like they have not looked better than they like. They don't look like a better team from last year. Mm. I don't know. I feel like Kyrie's been awesome. Like there's, no, I don't think any of us would deny that. I think he's been really good on the court. <laughs> on the court. Yeah, uh, but they've been abused by big. They they get abused every time a big man plays. It's like a 2020 watch in terms Fan of like. Fan tip. Fan tip right here. 
if you're listening to this pod and play FanDuel, play Biggs against Brooklyn. Always. Every single time. Cat but, dropped a cool 70-piece on them. <laughs> I mean, Drummond owned them, too, when he played them. But anyways, I don't know if it's their depth. I mean, they have Garrett Temple as a six-man right now. I don't think that's... <laughs> that's a... Did you see how disrespectful they were to my man Garrett Temple when he dunked the other day? No, he, dunked, he dunked, and Kevin Durant, like, covered his eyes. And Kyrie, like, held his hand at his hip, like, wow, you really can't jump very high. And that that was just... Dis- clearly, the team chemistry is... Much lower than needed. Uh, and they've lost to some bad teams too. I, I don't. I can't find it right now. But then they they lost. I know they lost to the Timberwolves earlier in the year. They um. I don't know. They lost to Indiana, who have just not been that good. Oh, they year. gave Indiana their first win, I think. Right. They lost to Detroit too, without Blake and Rose and everybody. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, their big man defense is suspect. I think their bench is pretty bad. I mean, obviously when Katie comes back, that'll help a lot. But this team right now, I would argue they're they're like nothing more than like a seven or an eight seed at best, in my opinion. Dinwiddie's been kind of flat this year too. And Lavert Lavert hasn't shown like he's been okay, but he hasn't been like that Lavert that he was before the leg injury last year. I've seen rumors circulating that like a Dinwiddie trade may be out there on the horizon. I've I've heard that too. Well, yeah, right. It's been great, though. UVA represent Joe Harris. Oh, Joe Harris has been great. 54 I... from the field, 55 from three. <laughs> He's an amazing three-point shooter. But, yeah, I just, I just I don't know. I think the Nets will figure it out, and I don't think they'll be the 11th or 12th seed all season. But I could definitely see them, like, struggling to stay above 500 and definitely losing to some, like, random teams that have good centers. That's... But before we close this out, though, do you guys have any final thoughts? Is there anything else you want to address? Um, I just saw I just saw a thing real quick uh, where we were talking about like big man prospects, specifically James Wiseman. Uh, I think I just read the NCAA ruled him ineligible. What? Uh, for Memphis, like so, like that would mean he can't play. Uh, which Dead is, ass? I, I'm, I'll look into it more. Um, if either of you have any takeaways, real quick, I'm gonna see if I can find more. Well, yeah, I'm Waz, on Twitter. I'm looking Waz right just now. Said, Waz just said the NCAA has ruled James Wiseman ineligible. Yep. Holy shit! Waz bomb. What? So Waz bomb. Our, our good friend Waz just dropped a bomb. Our good friend our Adrian. Friend, Adrian. Holy shit. Friend of the friend of the pod, Adrian, has just announced. Uh, <laughs> James Wait, has Wiseman. Memphis not has Memphis not played yet this year? No, I don't they know. Did play. They played one so, game. Did, did James oh, okay. play? He did play. I think he had like 28 points or something like that. He had his college debut. They played SC State. I don't know what the hell that is. Um, but he had 28 points and 11 rebounds. He was he looked really good. Um, and he's he's currently like the project one of the projected top overall picks. Maybe even the I first. Wonder overall. if this will drop his uh the stock at all. That's. Like so even if he's year. ineligible to play, he could still be he could still be drafted. Yeah, he can still be drafted because he's been out of high school for a year. But wow, that could really hurt his stock. Or could yeah, like, he dropped twenty eight and eleven in his debut? People are gonna be. I mean, hey, that means for the season he's averaged twenty eight points per game and eleven rebounds. That's kind of crazy. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean, really, that that could help the Warriors in the fact that if they do now don't get that number one overall pick, or say they do and. He hasn't played all season. He's not going to go number one overall, so he'll probably drop. And I mean, that's that's where you trade down. So, or you know, he'll get drafted by the Magic, and he'll go behind Vucevic and Bamba, and he'll never play. Uh, <laughs> that could happen. I think I think that's a uh, solid breaking news story to 
end the show on today. Yeah, I agree. That's that's crazy. We'll definitely have to keep an eye on that and see what happens with that. Maybe but. next next week we'll probably have more news on it. So make sure to tune in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't miss it. Even though it'll probably be on Twitter and everything. So we'll be a week we'll be a week late on this show. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna end off on the cliffhanger of my potential D-Lo to the magic trade and James Wiseman being ruled ineligible for a college. Make sure draft. to come back next week, fellas. There you go. So thanks for watching, guys. Uh, if you didn't know, we are on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, wherever you, the hell you can watch I a podcast. This show is on it. So be sure to tune in. Tell your friends. Rate us five stars. You know we're on the we're on the climb. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Do you, real quick thing. Do you think James Wiseman uh, told them to rule him ineligible because the Knicks are sucking and he could get drafted there? Oh, <laughs> We'll also let that be a let that be a cliffhanger. We'll let the viewers decide for themselves. <laughs> you guys decide. Roll uh, credits. <laughs> See you guys.